0: Umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999.
1: Hello, welcome to the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with
0: Clint Derringer,
1: and we're here to talk about Michigan football. We had a tight victory, Michigan beating Iowa by a score of 10 to 3. Well, Clint, what did the SP Plus predict about that game, and how did things turn out?
0: The uh, SP plus system predicted Michigan to win by four points and obviously Michigan won by a touchdown. So, um, that's, uh, it's pretty close within three points. Obviously, uh, the Vegas spread I think at kickoff was three and a half points. Um, so typically what, what most people uh, that use the SP plus system for predictive analysis are doing is trying to to figure out which side of the betting line sp plus falls onto and then they bet that side so if uh the line was three and a half uh for michigan and sp plus said four then you would have bet on michigan to cover and uh they won by seven and covered so um that's kind of the idea um sp plus then would have considered that game to be a correct prediction um and then the the way that I also analyze it is, I look at my own predictions uh, in terms of the gap or the margin of victory that I predicted and uh, and compare it as well. So, uh, Michigan overperformed the SP Plus prediction by three points for this game. Uh, I expected Michigan to win by a touchdown, and they won by a touchdown. So, I would have given myself a uh, a pat on the back for getting the correct margin of victory and SP plus was off by three points. So those are some of the different ways that we look at it. Um, and we, we can kind of compare the, the analytical systems to, uh, kind of the gut feelings that, that you and I talk about when we're, uh, when we're discussing what we think is going to happen.
1: The one stat that I thought was hilarious about the betting line was the over on some sites was at 47, the over under. So, they definitely missed that one. I, I kind of chuckled at that. Um, you know, the interesting thing is after the first quarter, it you know if you were just looking at the scoreboard, Michigan had put up 10 points, and I was hoping that uh, you know the the good uh, karma that had uh, you know they had showed versus Rutgers. I was hoping that the offense had woken up and was going to continue rolling. I didn't realize that. You know, after a few minutes into the second quarter, after Iowa kicked their field goal, that was pretty much it for scoring for the rest of the day. I know coming into the game, I was feeling good. I was I was thinking that Michigan, uh, you know, if everything pulled together, they were going to win by 9 or 10. Um, you know, I, I think Michigan has a huge advantage playing at home. You know, that seems to be, you know, a good, good tonic for whatever ails them. So, um, again, good to see the win, Um, but, you know, super, super concerned about, you know, the, again, the offense struggling. I know that uh, the players and Coach Harbaugh continue to give great credit to the Iowa defense, and there's no doubt that the Iowa defense is is very stout. Um, You know, I would say they're, they're, they're probably, you know, in the eye test, not as good as Wisconsin, uh, but, but definitely good. Um, I think one of the things that I, I really wanted to see was Michigan try to go vertical more. Um, you could definitely see that Iowa was able to cheat up. And, you know, when you look at the stats, um, on one hand, it looks like Michigan had a very good, um, you know, a decent passing day. I mean, not, not super good, but, you know, 147 yards through the air. The problem problem is, is that 51 yards was on one play. And when you take that out, the the stats deflate quite a bit.
0: Yeah, that's that's for sure. I I would say, uh, the explosiveness of that first that first completion to Nico Collins was was really the only uh, success they had. There was only one other play that uh, would be defined as explosive of fifteen, you know, over fifteen yards, um, and that was a twenty yard completion to. Uh, Tariq Black, so only two completions, um, what we would call chunk plays in the passing game. So it was it was underwhelming for sure. And I think um, you can tip your hat to Iowa uh, for sure, but I think Michigan caught Iowa outside of their their typical cover two, you know, two high safeties look on that pass play to Nico Collins, and Iowa committed from that point forward. Um, not to get uh, not to get caught with the uh, the single high safety on a passing down after that. So uh, for the rest of the game, we saw two two safeties back deep, and they were they were telling they were going to challenge uh, Shea Patterson to read the zone coverage and try to hit some some tight windows within coverage. Um, and, and Shea is still. A, still not very sharp in terms of finding the soft spots in those zones and uh, still still doesn't quite fall into rhythm, uh, get into rhythm of releasing the ball on time when he's got to make uh, a progression from his first to second to third read. So there's there's still still some kind of disjointed feelings on the offense, of course, um, but it's it, it still feels to me like, like problems that can be uh, improved on with, with more time on task more time uh repping uh the different uh passing concepts against the the different zone coverages and what you're going to run against the the man and then what you're going to do when the protection breaks down and you're rolling so these are these are all things that you you don't want to be doing for the first you know without some established level of comfort you don't want to be doing that under the lights with the pressure on for the first time or the 10th time you know you you want to have hundreds of reps on these different things uh at this point so they're uh they they should be a little bit further ahead on the the learning curve that i've talked about i was i was a little bit disappointed in this performance but not nearly as uh dejected as as some folks have been i still still have a, a significant amount of optimism for the offense.
1: Well, you know I said earlier this year against Army, I'll take a air quote bad win over uh over a over a great looking vict- uh loss, right? I mean, the win basically trumps everything. And you know, I think uh you know you've mentioned that you know it's been said that you know if Michigan beats a good team, nobody talks about that team as being good anymore. And uh it's interesting cuz Uh, considering the many people in the media and among the fan base who are who are predicting uh an epic defeat a shellacking at the hands of Iowa um you know it it may not have been the most exciting game for three quarters but to get out with a win uh definitely showed some progress Mm -hmm. I have to give credit um and and you know you you did a shout out in the tweets after the game that the defense was spectacular and um Looking back at the stats, it's almost a, a Madden-like uh, performance by the defense. Um, you know, uh, the Iowa quarterback was just was running for his life. I mean, Nate Stanley was, was just running constantly, being under pressure, being sacked. And I have to give him credit for finishing the game because he was, he was definitely being pounded. Um, and again, you know, I've, I've been critical of the defense at times this year. But I, I can't imagine a better defensive performance than, than what we saw versus Iowa.
0: Yeah, I think you're, you're 100% right. There is – not only was it nice to see um, kind of the, the, the aggression uh, kind of bear and in, in, in putting a lot of pressure, not just pressure on the quarterback in terms of a pass rush, but pressure being put onto the offense where they – they know that they're under siege, so to speak. So um, it was it was nice to have that feeling back. It's been a first time in uh, in a while. Probably probably back uh, to game number ten last year. So I know that we were we started to get a little bit anxious last year um, against Indiana at home in the 11th game of the season. So it was probably since since that gauntlet uh, in the middle of the season last year that we felt that way on the offense um, that they had a real upper hand there so it was it, it should also be stated that iowa just as conservative as they are on defense and, and want to keep everything short and underneath and in front of them they're similarly conservative on offense in that they don't want to give up negative plays they want to stay on schedule they want to move the chains you know they, they would measure themselves by our efficiency metric pretty closely they want to stay on schedule to uh, to keep moving from downs and um they don't give up a lot of negative plays in their first four games. I think they had only given up uh, somewhere right around 10 negative plays, only 10 tackles for loss given up um, through the first four games or so. And, you know, Michigan came up with eight sacks and, and another uh, five tackles for loss, 13 total uh, negative plays. So um, Michigan more than doubled the amount of negative plays that Iowa had given up in, in one game. So that really shows – How, you know, how really dominant um, that front, the front seven was, and uh, the secondary. You have to give your credit to them also, uh, because they made plays on the ball. Nate Stanley hadn't given up or hadn't thrown an interception all year, and they come up with three, three interceptions. And this is something that um, that we've been certainly waiting on for as much pressure as Don Brown's been able to dial up. Uh, and in his four years as Michigan's defensive coordinator, it hasn't always translated to uh, some of the turnover statistics that you would expect with that kind of havoc being created. Um, so it, it's good to see some of that coming back. You know, the pendulum swinging back our way on some of those statistics. So um, still a long way to go, but uh, if this if this defense can can continue with their upswing and peak as we get, uh, into the real heart of the uh, big 10 schedule here, then that's, then that's great. It takes a little bit of pressure off of the offense. Um, and, and they can, they can start worrying about putting in game plans that, that get them into sync and into rhythm because they don't have to, uh, dictate one thing or the other, knowing that you can rely on that defense a little bit.
1: You know, and you mentioned, uh, you know, how long Nate Stanley had gone without having a pass intercepted. He had gone 139 straight passes without an interception. So for Michigan to come in and get three, he, he really had a bad day. So it was, uh, again, it was it was good to see. Um, one unpleasant surprise was in the special teams. So, and I, I think, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in... When a team is struggling, you really need exceptional special teams. It's the kind of thing that can, that can bail you out. And unfortunately, um, you know, Michigan did try a, did miss one really long field goal that I'm not counting against them. But they also missed one that they should have made, and that's that's disconcerting to see. We also had some troubles in the punt game, which is again another something unusual. Usually we're, um, you know, pretty steady and having a good Um, you know, punting average, but definitely, um, definitely seemed to to struggle a little bit this game. Had a couple come off the foot. Um, So again, it's, you know, that that's concerning because um, if the offense isn't firing, you can't lose the uh, uh, field position war and uh, Michigan needs, the Michigan offense needs all the help it can get right now.
0: Yep. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with your point against uh, special teams. There's one other thing, one other point I wanted to make about the defense um, specifically. And we, we talked about this a little bit last week, I think, was that I'll uh, remember that that both the offensive and defensive staffs and, and schemes were kind of torn down and rebuilt after the debacle in Columbus last year. And and Don Brown specifically was challenged. Um, I think the quote that we've heard a couple of times is Harbaugh told Don Brown, more is more, <laughs> not less is more, but more is more. Meaning that he had to add more tools to his toolbox so that he couldn't, if if somebody had his number, like uh, the Buckeyes did last November, he's got to be able to have, uh, you know, a, a change up. And what we're seeing right now, and, and you and I talked about it a little bit at uh, In the press box against rutgers so rutgers was really trying to tap into those same crossing routes man beaters and michigan had it covered differently in zone but they didn't execute very well there were a couple um a couple times that uh the the slot receiver made a move on a linebacker and made a miss there was a couple times that uh there was a guy in the area but he wasn't in good position to actually defend the pass so we saw signs that they were making a difference on those crossing routes and they held the the long pass was 17 yards against Rutgers. Well, now you you take that next step forward and they executed those schemes much better against Iowa, who was also trying to use those underneath crossing routes um, to beat Michigan's man coverage, and there was almost no success. So Many many a times uh, that Stanley was sacked, it was after he had pump faked because he realized that those, uh, those crossing routes that he expected to be open against man coverage um, were actually uh, running right into trap zone coverage. So another tip of the hat on um, making the adjustments, and, and I think the adjustments on the defensive side of the ball clearly have been taught and coached and executed better than the adjustments that have been uh, made on the offensive side. Uh, that's you know that's kind of stating the obvious, but I do expect um, once things click together, I think the offense is going to see a similar upswing in in success and explosiveness. So we uh, we shall see, but I, I I still expect to see that.
1: Well, and maybe we will see that this week. Uh, what does the SP Plus say about the upcoming game versus Illinois?
0: You know I haven't seen the uh, picks that came out yet um just based on where the uh where the uh exp- where the rankings are and the adjusted points per game i think michigan uh, would be picked by about 22 points but i haven't seen the uh, the actual comparisons with the spreads and the game picks so i would expect about three scores uh, in favor of michigan even on the road um so that would be uh that would be a, a big success for michigan to to play well enough to win by uh, multiple scores like that on the road. I just, I don't think that we've seen, I don't think that we've seen a three score road victory uh, in, in quite some time. Um, I'd have to go back in the history and look, but uh, that's the challenge of this week. Uh, It's another game that Michigan's much more talented, but can they get off to a fast start? Can they come off the bus and, uh, get warmed up and ready to go, and come out looking sharp in the first quarter. Build a lead, really pin their ears back on the defense. Um, kind of rely on that pass rush some more, and then hopefully get uh, get some more reps and experience for some of those backups, and, and keep your starters healthy for for the uh, the real heavy part of the schedule that's coming up. So that's the challenge. You got to raise the bar in these games where where you got decide a decided talent advantage and we have to expect them to be sharper and and execute more cleanly on both sides of the ball. So, uh, especially in the first quarter to me, this, this week is all about getting off to a clean, fast start and then keeping your foot on the gas.
1: Well, the thing that I'll be looking for is who's going to be starting at quarterback for Illinois. I think that adds some drama with Michigan transfer, Brandon Peters being in the mix and you know, I uh, it, it's interesting. You know, he he struggled at times here. He had some success, and I look at this game. Illinois reminds me a lot of Indiana in that it's a one-sided rivalry. They care very much about playing Michigan, and um, for Michigan, it's just another game. Um, not that they can be taken lightly, but I don't think that Michigan brings in the 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 intensity. Uh, that, it, that it would to its, its, its larger rivals, right? But you definitely see um, the venom from the fan base and, and from the opponent when you go into Illinois or Indiana. So I, I, I agree with you. I think the key is getting off to a great start, taking the crowd out of it, and hopefully getting up enough in the third quarter so that Michigan can, can uh, you know, give some other players a chance to um, rest some starters and uh you know perhaps see what we have in joe milton right um it would be nice to get him some reps um not that i'm advocating starting him over shea patterson but again if Shea gets injured you definitely want to have a backup who is ready to go and with dylan McCaffrey' status still being uh indeterminate uh joe milton's the backup right now so um you want to prepare him and and, and see what he has so um i'll be looking Hopefully a lot of our analysis will be in looking at what happens in the third and fourth quarter when Michigan is up.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'd like to see I'd like to see Milton put through um, some more uh, variety of the schemes that Michigan wants to run on offense. Um, we know that he's got a cannon for an arm, but I'd like to see some of the uh, finesse throws um, to, you know I'd like to see him challenged to have to make some of those throws. And then also, uh, I'd like to see both quarterbacks challenge more to uh, to really run the, the zone read portion of the the running offense. So um, I, I I agree wholeheartedly with uh, what you're saying about what hopefully Saturday looks like in terms of being able to evaluate uh, backups, especially at the quarterback position. I've got i uh, I've got a little bit of of, of evidence at least for. Um, why i expect to see the offense really improve um and and it kind of echoes what uh what harbaugh said at his uh, press conference on monday about uh you know seeing evidence that that it's going to take off and i think most of that is probably about seeing the way that they're practicing and, and just getting it to translate to saturday afternoons but when i looked at um just using last year's Offensive output as it's kind of a baseline the biggest difference right now Between last year's offense and this year's offense is turnovers and I think that that goes a little bit, you know Seems like it's obvious, but it's even worse than, than I had imagined so last year's for five games Michigan had turned the ball over not counting uh, Failed fourth down attempts, but just uh, fumbles lost and interceptions. They had turned it over four times in five games which is probably a little bit higher than any any coach would would really want, um, but but that's where they were this year through five games. They've turned it over 11 times. That's you know almost three times as many turnovers through five games. So, the disjointed feeling, the lack of repetitions and rhythm and pace and and um, understanding how defenses are going to try to cover uh, these passing concepts. There, it's it's legitimate that the he just has not seen um as many live fire repetitions at this point in the season as he had last year and then the other big point when i looked back it um, on successful plays Michigan has been just as uh, explosive but on a yards per play basis they are um they're still way behind uh, the 2018 and, and The biggest reason for that is the run game. So um, last year's or this year's offense right now is averaging 4.3 yards per rush. And last year through five games, that offense was averaging uh, 6.0. So the offensive line where we know that there's talent and we know that you've got a good coach, And there's uh, running backs at the steep end of the learning curve. Those things are going to click together with more repetition. Um, Very similar. This is what happens when you lose uh, a senior running back in Karan Higdon and then your your top backup junior with a lot of experience. Chris Evans isn't there. So these, these are not excuses, and they're you've got to play over these, uh, these potential challenges, but these are the things that I see that um, when comparing to last year, which is an offense right now, uh, production that we would all certainly take over what we've seen this year in the offense, but it's not a total uh, failure, even though it feels that way because of how disjointed it's been. Turnovers are still the biggest issue with what this offense is, is fighting. And we will uh, we'll see. I think this is another get right game for the offense uh, against Illinois. So um, I expect it to look maybe not quite as explosive um, and clean as they did at home against Rutgers, just because they still struggle on the road. But I, I think they're going to be right there trying to cover uh, a three score spread. And we'll we'll see which uh, in which side
1: they come out on. All right. Good stuff. That's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Deringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.